Good morning. We're going to do something a little bit differently. And so here's the deal. I'm going to start a timer. And on this timer, you're going to have two minutes, which might be the longest two minutes of your life, okay, to go meet somebody and, get this, talk to them. Crazy. Your two minutes begin now. All right, you survived. You can have a seat. Woo! All right. All the introverts say amen. You can have a seat. Ah, oh, that's the most talking I've ever heard in this auditorium. Good work. How many of you met somebody new? Ah, oh, look at that. Making friends is the best. Yay. All right, now that's a talent that you can use elsewhere in life as well. Talking to people. Okay. Wonder how many of you even had a chance there to check your Facebook or Instagram during that two minutes. When I was uh, growing up, there was a song that uh, I don't remember the title of it, but the song went something like this Time is ticking away, tick, tick, ticking away. It was a DC Talk song for all of you 90s Christians out there. And I don't even know what the point of the song is. I just remember that time was ticking away. And the reason we just did that was to talk about how quickly or slowly, for some of you, two minutes can feel. You've all heard or been taught in one way or another that idea that time is the one resource that we all have the same of. Whether you're Jeff Bezos or you're one of us, we all have the same amount of time. By the way, do you think Bill Gates gets jealous that he's not mentioned anymore in those statements? So now we mention Jeff Bezos instead of Bill Gates. He's poor now. Just kidding. I want to be poor like Bill Gates too. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, we still have the same amount of time. And some of us, our schedules are a mess because we're trying to fill so much into it. Others of us, our schedules are a mess because we have no idea how to manage our time. I mean, quite frankly, we just go by the, uh, you know, by the seat of our pants and we'll say yes to anything or we'll say no to anything or whatever it might be. Others of us, our schedules are a mess because they're empty. I mean, we wake up and we literally have nothing and somehow that feels like a mess. Others of us, our schedules are a mess because we're driven by internal things. We're driven by this desire to succeed that drives us to work hours and hours and hours. Or we're driven by the desire to be needed. So we say yes to everything or everyone. Others of us, we're, we're driven by this desire to feel significant. So it leads us to get a part of things or be a part of things that we shouldn't be at this season in our life. Or it leads us to scroll through our phones nonstop because we want to see if they liked it or they commented or they shared or what they're doing. Others of us, we find ourselves in habits now that we didn't even mean to create, but we've just gotten into them. Like we just watch X amount every night. Or uh, when I don't have anything to do, I just grab my phone and I start to play. Or 
your favorite video game, your favorite sports game, your favorite, uh, or checking your fantasy team or whatever it might be, and time just ticks away. So what does God, the creator of time, have to say about time? A lot. In fact, the scripture is filled with references to time. What is Jesus, who was there, the scripture tells us, at the beginning of time, but then stepped into our timeline and redeemed us so that we could spend the rest of time with him? What does he have to say about time? Now, here's what I can't do this morning, because the Bible doesn't do it, and if the Bible doesn't do it, then I can't do it. I can't make you a list of your top priorities and where your time is supposed to be spent and create a little pie chart on how much time should go to work and how much time should go to your spouse and how much time should go to this and that and all of that. I can't do it because the Bible doesn't do it. But here's what the Bible does do over and over and over. Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs and the Gospels, the letters and the history. It makes a comparison to how wise we are and how we manage our time. In fact, what the scripture seems to be teaching in its entirety is that our level of wisdom is an indicator of how we spend our time. Or maybe said another way, how we spend our time reveals how wise we are. Over and over, the writers reference both wisdom and time together. Because we know this, how we spend our time is how we spend our lives. And here's what's true. Some of you, you have 16 apps on your phone that make your life so efficient. You've shared the Google Calendar with your spouse and everyone else. You have everything color-coded, and it's all set, and you're as efficient as you can possibly be with your time. Others of us, we're somewhere in the process of that. We're learning how to use our time. Others of us, we're a mess or a wreck at how we use our time. I was the guy who always made fun of the girl in college who by like midway through first semester was sick and stressed out. And you'd say, why? And she's like, well, I just don't have time to study. No, we all have the same amount of time. You just don't know how to use yours. And they're sick halfway through the first semester, right? Why? Because they're doing whatever else for the rest of their time and waiting until three to study. How does understanding the gospel, how does understanding the gospel change the way we spend our time? That's what we're going to look at this morning. And as I do that, I want to, I guess, bring up a premise, and that's this. You can be the most efficient user of time and have no idea how to rest. Let me say that again. You can be the most efficient user of time and have no idea how to rest. And more importantly in the scriptures than us being efficient users of time is us knowing how to rest. In fact, from the very beginning, God writes it into the creation story. He writes it into the commandments. He writes it into the culture and the way the Jewish uh, system worked. And then Jesus affirms all of this in his teachings in the Gospels. And then Paul, when he writes, frequently references both time and rest. And here's the idea, the rhythm that is created uh, into humanity. Work, 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 rest. Work, work, work rest. Some of us work, 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 work. Others, we don't work, 
but we also don't rest. Scripture calls that laziness, also a sin. Some of us, we overwork because we feel like we have to, because we're trying to look away or accomplish something that's driving us that isn't godly. Others of us, we underwork because at some point we lost a a passion or a feeling or a desire and we have found, or maybe you have found, that both are equally as empty. The scripture doesn't have a balanced approach to work and not work. A balanced approach to schedule has something altogether different. A biblical concept of rest. Of rest. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I will give you pointers on how to better spend your time. I will tell you about three apps to make you more efficient. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus seems more interested in whether or not our souls have found rest than he is on how every minute of our day is being consumed. His interest here is that we learn what it means to rest. Come to me. It's either an encouragement or a command. I guess however you read it. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. All who answer the question, how are you doing? Busy, tired. Working as hard as I can, but not getting where I want to be. All those who answer the question that way, come to me and I will give you rest. Just take my yoke upon me, my my teaching, my way of life. Learn from me, Jesus says. Now, learning from Jesus when it comes to time management is one of the most confusing undertakings. Here's why. Sometimes Jesus looks in and he sees a group of people and he says, you know what? I want to spend more time with them. Go get them some food so they don't have to leave. And he spends all day with them. Other times, Jesus is like on a mission and he's focused and he's just going. And they're like, hey, what about them? And he's like, we got to shake our feet off and keep going. Other times, Jesus is on his way somewhere and he gets there and people are like, you're late. Other times, Jesus is on his way somewhere and it seems like he's on a mission and he stops and he diverts. And the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, we don't have time for that. And he's like, yeah, we do. And he focuses all of his time on one person. And Jesus doesn't give us this system for how to spend our time. He just says, come to me and find rest. What does it mean to find rest in Christ? I'll say it in the negative. To stop striving. To stop striving. Ultimately, what Jesus means in this teaching right here is he's saying, those of us who are striving spiritually, stop and find rest in my victory. 
Those who are striving to, uh, I have to do this and I have to do that spiritually and I have to do this religiously and I have to accomplish this and all of that. And if I don't, then I won't. Or if I don't, then I'm not. He says, find rest. In particular, he's talking to a very religious group of people in this teaching. He's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Just find some rest in what I can do for you. I mean, there are times when I mistake the system for the result. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There are times when I'll get through my day or a couple of days go by or something, and maybe I've had a busy morning and I'm a Bible reader, prayer in the morning. Uh, that's my time. And, and I get a couple of days out and I've missed it. And I begin to like lay this guilt on myself. And like, ah, I gotta, I gotta get back tomorrow morning. I gotta do it again. I do it again. What's important to discern here is the difference between the guilt of not living up to a man-made standard versus the feeling of missing your Savior. Those are different things. Properly, there are certain days that go by and I, I didn't have time to, to open up Scripture and to pray. And, and the guilt wants to creep in. And what I do in that moment is I replace say, this, this is, guilt is not good. That's, that's not from Christ. What it, what's really happening in here is I just miss Jesus. I miss him. I want to spend some time with him. That's rest. Striving. Striving is that thing inside of us that says, I just have to keep going. I can never calm down. I can never settle. I can never be present. We've created this culture, whether it's through the usages of our phones or just the development of society, and maybe it's always been there, it's just more prevalent or talked about now, where we're so bad at being present. And I think it's because we don't know how to rest. We can't be present at church. We can't be present in prayer. We can't be present around the dinner table. We can't be present in the car. We can't be present with a family or a spouse or a friend. It's always what's next, who's out there, what's going on over here. And we reveal our lack of being present by uh, the way we can't engage with people right in front of us. We're making plans about what we're doing next. We're constantly scrolling through and seeing what everyone else is doing when there's people right in front of us. But a person who is at rest, who's not striving, who's found rest can go, can be present in the moment. Why? Because their soul isn't craving something that's out there. They can be satisfied with what's right in front of. Before any instruction on how to spend our time or or how to fill our days or how to evaluate our schedules, we must learn how to rest. How to be still. How to be quiet. I want to teach this sermon in two parts today. Lindsay, can you come up? Lindsay's going to sing a song. And as she sings this song, I want you to practice right now resting. Resting. Here's the challenge. 
Something in your heart is going to want your mind to start to think about everything else you have to do today. And you're going to be tempted to think about Some of you, this song is like four minutes long. You're going to be tempted to pull out your phone and without even knowing it, to start looking at something. So part one of our sermon, very briefly, is to learn how to rest. So Lindsay's going to sing. You can listen and pray and rest. Can I give you some permission this morning? Not that I need to give you permission, but can I give you some permission to stop striving? High school students, to stop striving for high school to be done so you can move and go off to college. College students, to stop striving so it's done and you can get a job and actually have some money. Or married couples to stop saying, oh, once we have kids, then it's, then it's real. Or once the kids are gone, then we'll get it back. Or once I retire, once we have enough, to just stop striving and to find a rest in Christ that says right now, this season, I'm just going to be in it. It doesn't mean we set aside ambition. It doesn't mean we stop trying to accomplish things. It says, I'm not going to miss the season that I'm in because I'm thinking about the next one. I'm going to live in this one. I've shared this story before, but I remember a very distinct moment when I was at a college graduation party. And the four of us who were playing cornhole were there playing and, and we're, you know, having fun. And there's a whole bunch of people there and it's a great party, whatever. And it was me and a friend playing against a friend and his dad. And my friends and I, the three of us, as we were playing, we were also slipping out our phones and texting and talking about what we were going to be doing next. In fact, out of the four of us, three of us were constantly looking at our phone and checking what else was going on elsewhere. Everyone was doing that except one person. Who? The father. Why? Because he was in a moment that he had been waiting for and thought about. A moment where he would have a son that he would spend time with and playing something like cornhole. And so for him, he could sit in that moment because it was a moment that at one point he had dreamed about or thought about. That's a great practical lesson, but it also reminds me of a, a better spiritual lesson. That there's a heavenly father a heavenly father who is present every moment. And he has dreamed about those moments with you. Conversations. Worship moments. And sometimes we're so quick to miss them because we're thinking about the next one. Stop the striving 
and just find rest in what he's already done for you. I'll pray to wrap up the first part of our sermon. Got any talk about schedule is a useless talk until we have learned how to rest in you. So teach us how. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So then what? You know, Reagan is about to turn eight months, which means she's not too far off from having more time alive outside of the womb than alive inside the womb. Now, I'll speak for myself, not for Lindsay. The time outside of the womb seems to have gone like that. Time inside seemed to drag a little bit. It's amazing to me how quickly it goes already. And you guys have that same thing. Time either, it seems, is moving too quickly or too slowly. When you're engaged, it moves way too slow. When you're waiting for summer, it moves way too slow. When you're watching your baby grow up, maybe it moves way too fast. When you're on vacation, it goes too fast, whatever it might be. So how do we live lives out of a place of rest that looks at our time and says, God, what do you want me to do with this? I want to point out a couple of things in the scriptures. The first is this. This is Moses writing. Long time ago, he wrote one psalm. Psalm 90, verse 12. Moses says this. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You're going to see a common theme here. And that is the passing of time and wisdom and how they work together. Wise people know how to use their time. The fool knows how to waste their time. Ephesians 5, Paul says this. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul later is going to use that exact same phrase. We might get there this morning. The best use of the time. Somebody whose heart is at rest in Christ can learn wisdom through Jesus and figure out how to best use their time. In fact, that's what the scriptural authors seem to be going after. What is the best use of my time? What's the best use of my time in this particular season that I'm in, in high school, in college, as a parent, whatever it might be? What's the best use of this time? See, when we haven't found rest in Jesus, I don't think we can ask this question because we're constantly going back and forth just based off of these inner uh, uh, issues that we have, the, uh, wherever those are, our, our identity in our job, our identity in what other people think, our identity in who we hang around, and that drives and dictates our time. But a person at rest in Christ can ask the question, okay, now what's the best use of my time? Now, Paul gives us an encouragement. He says, hey, look carefully. He at least says, hold on and stop for a second and look into how you use your time. Now, there are certainly moments and times, even now, when I waste a lot of time 
waste a lot of time either watching Netflix, okay, a lot of time doing whatever else. Maybe for you, it's, a, it's that video game, it's that app, it's the whatever it might be. Now, here's what Jesus never does. He never looks in and says, okay, you have to spend X amount of time here and X amount of time there to be a good follower. He says, find rest in me and then use wisdom. Look carefully then how you walk. Look into it at least. And then not as unwise, but as wise, make the best use of it. So what does it look like to make the best use of our time? The best use of our time. Proverbs 16, 17 gives us one hint. says this, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life or his time. Now, I've seen some of you drive. I've driven a road with some of you. And I would imagine some of you are like me. So you have moments when somebody is driving too slow in front of you. And it stirs up your anger almost unlike anything else. You have words for that person. You say them, not here in church, but elsewhere. You think things about them. As Angry as you get as the person driving slowly in front of you, you should be equally or more angry at sin that distracts you from what God has for you. It's interesting how angry I will get at a red light that stops me from getting to somewhere on time. But in the grander scope of my life, be less angry at a foolish decision that takes me down a path that's a waste of my life. That's what Proverbs 16, 17 is saying. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. The righteous person doesn't waste time chasing things they ought not to chase. Instead, they preserve their life and their time by following God's path. The best use of your time is always choosing the righteous answer, the righteous path. When is the time to get out of that sin? Now. When is the time to stop that addiction? Now. When is the time to stop that habit? Now. What else? What's a good usage of our time? The scripture, it's full of them. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Paul writes this. Look at the similarities, by the way. Walk in wisdom. There's the wisdom thing again. Towards outsiders. By that, he means people who are not of the Christian faith. Making what? The best use of the time. What Paul is saying here is this, all of us, whether you're in high school and you're going to school, all right, or you're uh, an adult and you're going to work, all right, wherever or whatever season of life you're in, hopefully you're surrounded by people who aren't of the faith. And Paul says, in those moments, make the best use of their time. Here's a principle that he's teaching us. It's not just how you spend your time. It's how you spend your time when you're spending your time. It's not just where is my time going, it's what am I doing? Now, we know this to be true, though sometimes we forget it. High school students, let me teach you something, okay? This will be very helpful for you in your life, okay? Two hours of playing video games in your basement does not count as being home, okay? Doesn't count. 
It doesn't count. You might think it does, but it doesn't. I promise you, a 15-minute real conversation with your parent is way better than you being in the basement for four hours and then complaining about not being able to go out. This is a valuable lesson. Remember it, okay? How you spend your time is as important as how you spend your time. Now, in this particular passage, what Paul is teaching us is this. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. In other words, every time you're around somebody who is not of the Christian faith, you walk in wisdom on how you're going to spend that time. I'll give you an example. I got off a plane a couple of weeks ago, and as I got off the plane, I had this overwhelming sense of angst. And you know why? Because I sat next to this person on this plane for two hours, and I had an opportunity. I, like a, The ball was set up for me to share my faith, and I didn't. And I walked out, and I thought to myself, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. This is what Paul was getting at. He's saying, you have these moments with these people who don't know them. Use them. High school students, you only get to do this for four years. Most people come to faith in high school or college. Make the best use of the time. Now, equal or in a similar situation, I was in another conversation with unbelievers, and there was this moment where I could have said something that would have like driven in a point. But as Paul writes in Colossians, he says, "Let your speech always be gracious." It would not have been gracious to say what I wanted to say in that moment, and I didn't say it. And I walked out, and I thought to myself, "What a good use of my time! What a good use of my time!" I got to be around these believers. And when the moment came for me to say the thing that I wanted to say, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to say, I didn't say it. What a good use of my time. Paul's saying you want to use your time wisely. He's not telling you what to do or how to spend your time. He's saying when you are spending your time, walk with wisdom. Evaluate how you interact with people, particularly those who are not of the faith. What are you going to leave them with when you leave that time? Here's another one. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Paul was all over this. He says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I've been doing church a long time from a professional capacity for 12 years. And you know what I found? There's two types of people who volunteer in church. Two types of people. One type of person that volunteers in church is doing it out of a need. They're doing it because when they volunteer, they either get accolades, they get attention, right? Or it fills something for them. Another type of person volunteers out of grace and love for the people they're serving and volunteering. There is a dramatic difference. In fact, there are times when serving in church is sin. Yeah, like serving in church is sin because what it's doing is it's uh, being used as an outlet for selfish gain or as an outlet uh, to not deal with something that they need to deal with. Paul says, don't grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let us use your opportunity to do good to everyone. Sometimes 
We take that to mean, I'm just going to keep pouring out. I'm pouring out, but I'm not dealing with rest first. Now, on the opposite side of the spectrum is somebody who has learned how to rest and can give of themselves so freely because they have. They've, they've learned what it means to rest in Christ. And now what comes out of this is this restful service. And in that, Paul's saying, don't give up, keep going, keep going, keep going. In fact, what he's saying is this. In the moment, he's saying, as you have the opportunity, what does the opportunity of life that you're in right now afford you to do for the good of those around you? You're in high school. What's the opportunity? It's to go into that school every day and to live out the person of Jesus. You're in college. What's the opportunity? You're single. What's the opportunity? All seasons of life are not created equal. If you've gone through them, you know it. Some seasons you have opportunities to serve like crazy. Some seasons you have opportunity to invest in other people. Sometimes in other seasons, it's like me, the baby, and my spouse, and that's all we got time for. Not all opportunities are created equal. In the season you're in, what opportunity do you have to do good to those around you? It's a question for all of us to ponder. You're a married couple and you're like, man, we don't have time. We don't have time, we don't have time. But we have an hour. Okay, so what's the best usage of that hour? Your retiree. You thought when you got to retiree status, that means you would have all the time in the world. You had the list of everything that was going to get accomplished. Now, what's the best usage of that time you have? The best usage. Paul says, keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. And pour it out. Let me close with this. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'll add to it, a restful person is a dangerous servant of Christ. Because they ask, what's the best usage right now? And God uses them when they do.